Today's passage is an interesting passage, and it's about a lifestyle of overflowing, living water. Now, we are going to be in the book of John, chapter 7. If you ever want to turn there, you can do that, but I'll have a lot of the scriptures as well. Now, the passage tonight is about two things from Jesus. Jesus' invitations and Jesus' missions, his mission. You will see both of those right up front as we move through. It's all about Jesus. You know, in invitation, it simply means this, the act of inviting someone, someone that encourages someone else to do something. And we actually like that. We enjoy getting invitations. We have couples here in the church and other things like that that invite Linda and I over for dinner, and they serve all kinds of things. It's really good to have the invitation. And here's one I think you would like the invitation. I own a timeshare United uh, Share Unit in Hawaii. It's free to anybody that gets here first for families for three weeks in July. But I'm not giving you the address, so forget it. I'm putting my name in first. No, I'm just kidding. How about, would you like that invitation? Yeah, you're going to hear a better one tonight from Jesus. Way better. Now, by the way, we had a great one just last weekend. Recently, John, one of our elders, <laughs> called me and he says, Pastor Mark, you and Linda are invited to the Asian party, and we've been there many times at their parties. And, you know, we have hundreds of uh, Asian people in our campuses. And we have a bucket, uh, buffet at Wickham Park, so we'll have lots of food, Asian food, games, fellowship. And uh, we went, and I think there was like 150, 200 people. It was just fantastic. So we enjoyed that. Now, today... If you want to turn, John 7, 37 and 39, you're going to see as we go through, Jesus is going to get an incredible invitation and teach us as we go through. Now, first of all, you're going to see the mission. Most of you remember the, the mission and what it looks like, but you're going to see Jesus in action with invitations and the mission. So just as a, maybe some of you knew, but here is the mission. Jesus, when he was in a little town, Zacchaeus, he came up and he invited himself into his home, and Zacchaeus' life changed totally. Well, here's the mission. Jesus and Christ followers' mission is for us as well as Jesus. For the Son of Man came to seek and save that which is lost. Now, when you see seek, it means in order to find. You just don't sit there and go, well, somebody will come by. I'll just sit there and wait. No. When you lose something, you're seeking for it. Well, that's exactly what it is. To go and, or strive after. Make sure that you can find that. Now, who do we seek? Who was Jesus talking about when he did that? Seek and save. Well, he shows that he's looking for people who are lost, that don't have a relationship. They're perishing and heading without a relationship to Jesus, to an eternal destination called hell that Jesus doesn't want them there. He doesn't want anybody there. So why do we seek them? Why do we go and find the lost? And you're going to watch Jesus do this with crowds of Jews, some Gentiles, but mostly Jews. And you're going to see to rescue them because they're unbelievers, but they're searching for purpose. They're searching for meaning but they don't know that there is an answer. So Jesus will introduce himself 
because he is the answer to every person's problems. So you know this. We've been saying it for many years. Lost people, that means they don't have a relationship with Jesus. Uh, lost people matter to God, and lost people need to matter to every single one of us, and you'll see how that works tonight. Now, I'm going to go through this very quickly if you missed last week, because I know we had good crowds, but plenty of you were on vacation, holiday, kids, graduations. So if you want to hear more, I'm going to just give you a short thing, but I think you'd really enjoy the whole teaching. We, we talked about last week, what does the spirit-filled life look like? How can I identify that? What, what does that mean? So let me just share a few things with you. Here we go. The spirit-filled life, SFL, is a lifestyle. It's directed by the Holy Spirit and living under his influence. Now, what does that mean to live under his influence? It means this. The Holy Spirit will have an effect upon us to guide us and totally impact our lives. You guys at Vieira and Sebastian, thanks for joining us tonight. Uh, I'm going to read Ephesians chapter 5. If you want to just hold your finger there uh, where you're at. And John, you can just sneak back to Ephesians if you want. But I'll read it if you don't have time. Ephesians 5, 19. This is a big deal that Paul talked about. And it applies to every Christ follower. Here's what he says. Paul says, Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. Verse 20. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then he moves on to another interesting word that a lot of people don't like, but Jesus loved it and was our role model. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So what Paul is saying is very simple. He says this. Our speech, once I'm a spirit-filled, I have a spirit-filled life, our speech will be controlled by the spirit. He'll warn us. He'll encourage us. He'll say, remember, the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. So if we're kind of, kind of moving away from that, he will speak to us in our spirit. No, 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 don't go there. I'm the spirit of truth. You need to be a person that is actually encouraging words and untruthful. And then not just our speech, but our attitude. Attitude. Remember, we're under his influence. Our attitude will be controlled by the spirit. It should be positive, grateful, and gracious. Now, you'll see in a little while, if those things aren't really much in our life, there's, you'll see the reason why very shortly. Now, here's another one. You'll see this with Jesus, and we saw it with the early chapters in the book of Acts. Our witness will be controlled by the Spirit, so we want to boldly talk about Jesus. Remember, that was the, one of the main reasons of being baptized in the Holy Spirit, that we would be bold and witnessing about Jesus Christ, who is the answer to man's problems. Here's a big one. Remember, where is the battle in our minds? Right here. Here it is. Take a look. Our thoughts will be like the mind of Christ. In other words, when you hear somebody say something and you look funny at them, 
Well, they're saying something and isn't what the Bible teaches. They're off doing their thing. So when the Holy Spirit will there, he'll say, whoa, 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 wait a minute. You're not really saying the truth that's in front of you. Let me tell you, with your family, with your kids, with your work, with your church, with the leadership, what all of those kind of things, make sure you are having the mind of Christ. Say what he did because his mind was perfect. Now, when... Paul then says, every Christ follower needs to continually be, that was he, what he uses in 5.18, continue being filled and refreshed with the Holy Spirit. Continue. It is not a one-time event. It's a lifestyle. Continue. In the morning, Holy Spirit, meet to me. When I'm going to a difficult situation, I've got a counsel. Holy Spirit, I need to be filled again. I can't do this with my own wisdom. I'm waiting for you. And a million other things that we have in our life. As I told you, many times in the morning, I'll wake up and say, Holy Spirit, I have some issues today. I need help. I need help. And by the way, You'll see in a little while, he's right there for us, and he gives us the wisdom. Now, Paul said every quality needs to be filled and because of this, because all Christ followers leak, leak. And let me explain that to you really quickly. Spiritual leak. So here's the Holy Spirit. He's in me. He's controlling me because I'm a Christian, and I've been filled. But all of a sudden, we move back under our own influence. That means... I haven't spoken to the Holy Spirit for a month. And he's down there saying, where, where are you? I'm trying to lead your life. That's why I came to live in you. Come on. I can help. And what happens is sometimes we just get so busy, we go back to our own wisdom. It's, it looks like this. We ignore the Spirit's direction and try to live our life as we did before we were a Christian. With our wisdom... And basically, our strength, it will never work. You already know that. So that's a little challenging for all of us. So what is that caused by? Take a look at Galatians. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary, opposite to the Spirit. And the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, what is contrary to the sinful nature. Now, just look at me for a moment. You remember this. Before you were saved... We had the old sinful nature in us, and that, that directed us. That's why we got into trouble. We didn't have anybody to help us. We just went down that way and did all kinds of ridiculous things. Fruit of the Spirit was the opposite of that. It was terrible. And then when the Holy Spirit came in us, uh, our spirit was made brand new. But you're left with the old you, and everybody does. We will never get rid of the old you until we get to heaven. And when we get there, why won't I be tempted? Because there's no sin there. And could I hear an amen somewhere? I'd take that relaxing time, wouldn't you? But it's coming. So, so here's what I'm battling. Take a look at this. They conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. Paul talks a lot about that in Romans, specifically chapter 7 and 8. So remember, inside of us, those two natures are at war. Anybody remember the old days? I know you young people won't remember. You had dogs with magnets on their bottom thing here. Do you remember? They would stick together and kind of like they're always fighting. Anybody remember that? I guess I'm too. Oh, there's some honest hands. That's good. You say, I ain't raising my hand. I'll show me how late I am and how old I am. Well, try to raise your hand anyway because it's truthful. You remember, you play with those things and they'd go clicking back together again. Well, that's what's in our life. 
And guess who is always coming by and say, could I come in? It's Satan. He's not going to be in there, but he's going to influence our thinking. Now, when we finish all of that, I will absolutely come back to his power, the Holy Spirit, his love, and his zeal and the direction that I need in his life. Now, the next thing I'm going to talk about, I'm just going to give you a summary. But this is where Jesus is, so you need to understand it. Uh, It's called the Feast of Tabernacles. This was one of the highest and holiest Jewish holidays. Basically, still is. The feast celebrated the gathering of the harvest, their crops, which needed rain. Remember, at one point, Israel was a very dry area. And they celebrated the dwelling of God with the children of Israel as they traveled those 40 years in the wilderness, wandering all over the place in dry land. So Jesus went to the feast as many Jews would come from all over. It was a big deal. And, and he was there to do one thing, because he knew the crowds were almost all Jews, so he knew most of the Jews definitely wouldn't even believe in him. And he had been teaching, and people, the, the, the crowd would be like some of the things we see on television today. People picketing and doing this and angry and angry and all that kind of stuff. And then they weren't shooting or something like that. Day. But it was, not, it was not a peaceful thing. The inside they're saying, you know, what is that Jesus doing over this? He think he's really Jesus? There's no Jesus. There's no Messiah here. And doing all that kind of thing. So the feast celebrating that harvest because they needed the rain to take care of their families. And they celebrated that. One thing, you remember what happened? Jesus was there speaking, and the many of the Jews didn't just hate Jesus. They were trying to put him in jail or kill him during the festival. So to me, you're going to see the kindness of Jesus. That's a bold way to present himself because they wanted to kill him right there in that amazing feast of the tabernacles. Now, the greatest day during that was the last day of the feast when the high high priest would lead a a procession to the spring of Gihon. We've been there many times. Uh, The major water source for the city of David, which is in Jerusalem. A golden pitcher, pitcher was filled with water and the procession of singing people made their way to the altar before the temple. Now, then when they got there, and I won't use it because it's different for something here, the water was poured onto the altar. This was a reminder. How many remember in the Old Testament, the children of Israel were wandering, and they had no water? How many remember that? They had no water. So what did God do? God said to Moses, hit the rock, hit the rock, say to the rock, and what happened? Living water came out, fresh water. I mean, you can't live very long without water. And for sure, if you're in a desert, you can't live very long at all. So that was one of the things that was happening. And so here is in Jerusalem, they would pour that out. And the reason they would do that, they knew the history of that. Their family, so if they were younger kids, younger Jewish people, they told them what happened. Man, we were about to die. And God 
took what made water out of a rock. And so it was memories for them. It was a, 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 a kind of an uplifting of God and that he did that for them. So here's what happened. In Jerusalem, when they poured that out, let me read to you the verse that these people used. It's Isaiah, if you want to write it down, Isaiah 12, 3. Here's what it says. With joy, you will drink deeply from the fountain of salvation. It saved their lives. Different kind of wording. Now, so they would quote that all the time as it was happening. They quoted that verse, and it was a memory, so much so, that they'd been drink deeply from that fountain of salvation. Now, here's some other verses in the Old Testament that relate to what you see there and what Jesus is going to do. Look at Isaiah. I have it on the overhead for you. 44.3. For I will pour out water to quench your thirst and irrigate your parched fields. Promise from God. And I will pour out my spirit on your descendants and my blessing on your children. So there's God giving a look at what's coming in the future. Isaiah 58, 11 says it like this. The Lord will guide you continually. Just like being filled with the Spirit, we have to do it constantly, over and over and be refreshed. The Lord will guide you continually, giving you water when you are dry and restoring your strength. You will be like a well-watered garden, like an ever-flowing spring. You ever been to a, a spring that the spring is down and it just comes up and the water is as fresh as you can be? Anybody remember going to places like that? You go, give me a drink of that. Forget the crazy thing in the sink. Give me this fresh water that's bubbling up from the ground. Well, think about this. He says, you, as a person, will be like a, wall, a well-watered garden, like an ever-flowing spring. So you're going to see what Jesus says about this. So does that sound like you or my usual lifestyle? Is there a spring of living water flowing out of your life? And you'll see why. Because it's supposed to flow out to refresh other people. Now, are you uh, like a human drinking fountain? You're there where anyone can get refreshed. We're talking spiritually because the love of God is pouring out of your life. Are you refreshed when they come in contact with you? In other words, you're spirit-filled, and they can tell. This verse is a picture of a lifestyle that solves the spiritual leaking problem. Why? Because we're constantly filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, if you're in John, take a look at verse 37. I have it for you on the overhead. This is the key verse, so listen. On the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood, and this is a little unusual because of the crowds, and he said, in a loud voice. Now, with lots of people, they didn't have a mic like I have. He just had to speak so he would grab their attention. Now, remember who he's speaking to. They hate him. They want to kill him, not everybody, but many. They want to put him in jail, in prison. 
So he says this with this loud voice. If anyone is thirsty, we're talking spiritually, let him come to me and drink. Sounds a little like the woman at the well. Remember that? Very same principle. But this is to Jews, tons of them. And here's kind of a picture of it. Thirsty people. Jesus refers to spiritual thirst. Spiritual thirst. Now, look at the two things you see in the top. One on the top, one on the bottom. All people, this is spiritual. This is spiritual, not water. All people are thirsty for purpose and meaning in life. God designed them that way. All people. Next, every person is thirsty for God because God put that in them. But they don't know it. That's why Jesus is going to say, I have the answer. There is no other answer. I'm the only one that has the answer. I am the answer. I'm the water of life. And I can quench your spiritual dryness and your thirst. Now, when you see that, as you look through that, what do you mean, Pastor Mark, people don't know it? Well, C.S. Lewis was a brilliant writer. Here's what he says. And this is good for you and I to listen to and, and know that people in our neighborhood, people at work, family members that are away from God or never came to God or not interested in God. Now, listen to what I'm going to say. This is C.S. Lewis. Satan has caused us to believe. He's talking about people that aren't believers. Caused us to believe we can somehow be happy apart from God. This can never, be, never succeed because God made us. We're made in his image. And look what he writes. God designed the human machine, I love this, to run on God himself. How about that? That's how we run. That's why we have to keep being filled with the Holy Spirit. Then he goes on and he says this. When you see that, that machine is to run on God himself on the love that is God. Then he ends it. God is the fuel we humans were designed to burn. The food our spirits were designed to feed on. God cannot give us happiness. He cannot give us peace apart from himself because there is no such thing. That's a great thing to remember. You, you'll have it in your notes you, that I put on the website. See, people don't know it. They, they're thirsty, but they don't know why or who. So they use everything in the world to calm that or settle it down or end the thirst, but it will never work. That's why they still search. And that's why Jesus says, I'm seeking for those people that are searching because I know they're searching. They do not have a relationship with me. Now, on that last day, Take a, Jesus is going to give us three steps as he's talking to these people. This is going to be his invitation. His invitation. It's directly connected with his mission. Now watch. Three steps. Here, let me read it again with another area. 
John 7, 37, the last greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Here's step number one. If anyone is thirsty, here's what Jesus is saying. Look at this. You must admit you have a need. Step one. If you won't admit you're thirsty, but you are, you will never be satisfied. That's why Jesus said, Paul said, remember when he went to the 3,000 people he was teaching? They said, man, I guess Jesus was the Messiah. What should we do? He says, repent. Admit you're wrong. This is what exactly has happened. Jesus said, you must admit you have a need. Don't be prideful. Everybody has a need. And I'll be teaching to people all weekends, guys watching online and whatever, and God, will, you'll understand what that means because you're searching. You're doing all kinds of things to find joy and happiness and purpose, but it's always empty. So think about this as we go through. Now, look at that verse. Let me just say that first part of the verse again. If anyone is thirsty, say the word with me, anyone. Here we go. One, two, three. Anyone. How broad is that? Say it again. Anyone. Look down your aisle. Are these people covered? Yeah, you're an anyone. I'm an anyone. Everyone is an anyone. Now, how about that for an invitation? Anyone. That's what Jesus did. That's what you're going to see that we are supposed to do when God opens the door. Now, when you see that, when I see that, I think, you talk about an amazing invitation. Anyone. Anyone means everything. That short statement contains the essence of the gospel. It is centered in Jesus Christ. And it is offered, listen, with no restrictions. So people will say, well, Pastor Mark, I got away from God. Eh, I know it's wrong. I'm trying to come back. But Satan says he'll never accept me. Hello? No restrictions. Come back home. I'm serious. God's the God of grace. Anybody glad for that? Like every day? <laughs> He's the God of grace. And so when you see that, basically that's the heart of Jesus. That's who he is. And there's no restrictions. Doesn't matter. You say, well, I know, but I did this and I did this and I did this. Look, he died on the cross for our sins. Be alive. Repent, be real, and he'll cleanse all of your sins, every single one of them, and get you a new start. Amen? Now, you know this verse. It's very similar. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever, same thing as anybody, whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. See there? No restrictions. You just have to believe in Jesus. That's it. Boom. Done. Finished. The other one, you have to admit there's a need. You have to admit the need. You have to repent. Now, when you see that, let me show you something. Um, this will, it won't be complicated for you, but it, it will be very simple, actually. This is going to be the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not water. It's an illustration. The Holy Spirit is a person. So, Here's a person that's not saved. 
No, no salvation at all. So what did we learn with the three ways? Well, this is the first way. When an unbeliever is in a service or watching TV or hearing a sermon or whatever, the Holy Spirit is alongside them. Nothing's happening here. They, they don't know, but they sense something in the Spirit is talking to you. Well, what he would usually say is, that tall man teaching you. <laughs> That'd be in another night, not here, obviously. That man is teaching what you need. That's the way we've all been convicted. See, the conviction isn't, I hate you. The conviction is the love of God. You're missing something. I have the answer for you. So that's what happens in this situation. He sits alongside of them, and this person is being convicted. Now, what are they going to do with it? Well, God never forces anybody. But they know they have that feeling, and I think it's very interesting. So let me go on, and you'll see what happens. Now, basically, as you saw that, it says this. Let him come to me and drink. Drink. Now, I'll show you what that means. Step number two. Let him come to me. You must make a decision. Do you see that? After you have been spoken to by the Spirit, if you're an unbeliever, the next thing you have to do Jesus says, you have to come to me. You have to make a decision. Don't leave when you're being lovingly convicted by the Holy Spirit. And it doesn't just for people that are unsaved. It's the same for us. When we're getting ready to do something, and the conviction says, the Holy Spirit says, Balmer, you know better than that. Don't even go there. Well, I have to make a decision. I'm going to either obey my old flesh, or I'm going to obey the Holy Spirit. I'll take the Holy Spirit. But we all fail. And so here's what happens. Now, notice that Jesus says, if you want your spiritual thirst quenched, it will only, who do I go to? Jesus. Come to who? Jesus. Will my church quench my thirst? Will my religion quench my thirst? Will my history of being in church do it? Will my membership do it? No, not at all. Will my good works do it? No. There's only one way to get the thirst quenched. His name is Jesus. And we have to decide, I'm guilty. I have to admit it. I'm, I'm thirsty as can be. And I'm making a decision. I now know there's only one way to get rid of my thirst. And his name is Jesus Christ. Now, when you see that, it sounds crazy. But what happens, and I'll show you this as we move on. Now, um, come to me. Come to me. Look, it will only come from having a personal relationship with Christ, Jesus Christ. Promise number one, become a Christ follower and have your spiritual thirst quenched. So I'm speaking. That's the thing that you and I can do. You know, when you talk to people, any person that has any common sense and knows a little bit, Thirst is a common thing we all have all over. But spiritual thirst just means they, they're, they're thirsty for purpose and meaning, and they don't know how to solve it. 
I can drink, do it, take drugs, do whatever, and all this other stuff. It won't solve it. So what, what's, there, what's this saying here? Become a Christ follower and have your spiritual thirst quenched. Now, here's the thing that sometimes, remember, he says, come and drink. So what does that mean? Look at here. To drink here means to believe and receive Jesus as your Savior. It's our salvation experience where the Holy Spirit comes into us and indwells us. So the Holy Spirit, well, look at me, is the Holy Spirit is the spiritual water. So when this person accepts Jesus Christ, what does the Holy Spirit do? The Holy Spirit now is dwelling in this person. This is the Spirit-filled life. Do you get it? There he is. He's right there. He's not water. He's a spirit. So he dwells in us. We learned that. He convicts us. Then he comes into us when we become a Christian. And he will stay there for how long? Forever. Yeah. Amazing. See, sometimes visual helps us. I remember doing this in India. I remember doing it in China. But years ago when I was in these places. Because when, I, when I'd seen this once, probably 25 years ago, I went, that works. Because it, you, you can't get away from it. It's right there. You go, now you know that the Holy Spirit is in that person. He dwells there. And all the things we talked about, he guides us. He convicts us. He encourages us. He forgives us. He, and basically, he'll go through and open the word of God to us because it's truth. He helps us to remember. He does all those things. Now, so step number three, drink, receive Jesus' gift. You can't work for it of salvation. So it's filled. Now, here's the problem. Many Christ followers have that personal encounter with God. They become Christians. Really good. Good save. Great. But many Christians, they stop right there. That's it. And it's almost like it's all about them. There's no, and you're going to see in a moment, that's not the way God works at all. We all think of him like, like that. I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. What the heck? That's good. Next. Well, you're going to see the next. And sometimes you've never seen this next, but it's in the scriptures. You're reading it from Jesus. So watch that. Maybe you become a Christian. You've been a Christian a long time, but that's it. You know you're going to heaven, but there's not much growth. Or you probably haven't witnessed for a long time. We have to be all careful, all of us. To understand, we're on mission from Jesus. That's what he said, go into all the world. So there's where there's a problem with many people. They say, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven, I don't need anything else. Well, they don't read the Bible, obviously. They don't see what's happening. Now, when you see that, here's what God's going to say. Look at 38. Look at 38 on the overhead, 738. Whoever believes in me, as the scriptures have said... Streams of living water will flow from where? Within him or her. In other words, here's this. The spirit-filled life is an overflowing life, and you'll see that in a moment. Now, verse 39. 
Here's the expectation. Pastor Ryan, where'd you get that idea that the water is the spirit? Well, hello from Jesus. Look at verse 39 in your Bible, 739. I'll read it to you if you don't have it open. By this, Jesus, he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to this time, the spirit had not yet been given since Jesus had not been glorified. Remember, Jesus said to his disciples, after I go to the cross, pay for your sins, and get ready to go back to heaven, I will, you will receive the, the Holy Spirit. And he went, remember, and breathed on them. That was their salvation. They got it. But this was before that. All he's saying here, he says, uh, whom those who believed in him later will receive. We don't have that problem anymore. He's done all the work on the cross. It is finished. So we can be filled anytime like that. Now, Jesus adds another promise. This is the lifestyle. Jesus wants you and me, I preach to myself, that he has designed for every Christ follower. After they accepted Jesus, after the Holy Spirit lives in them. So here it is. Take a look. This is an illustration of a water glass that is overflowing. It's overflowing. So let me just try to see if I can do this without soaking myself. <laughs> Put this down, make sure. Okay, so now I want you to think about this, and I'll come back to it. This is not just a bucket to put your water in, overflowing your joy, your love, your peace, your witness. This is Brevard County. This is West Melbourne. This is Vieira. This is Sebastian. This is our counties. These are your people in your neighborhood. These are the people that you work with right there. And you say, well, I'm going to pour the Holy Spirit on them. No, the Holy Spirit is pouring you, witnessing love, joy, peace, looking for open things to happen. So what happens with this? When this gets like this, do you get it? Do you get it? Is that different than going, I'm saved, that's good, thanks very much? Is that different? It's way different. And see if you want to go even more, but I won't because I'll need it later. <laughs> Not to drink. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> um, now, down, what kind of water went in there? That's the Holy Spirit. Now, they won't understand that. But the Holy Spirit is going to what? For an unsafe person. He's going to try to get them to what? Be convicted. You're thirsty. And I'll show you how that works, because I, I put it in words. So that's why Jesus is saying, uh, you know, getting the Holy Spirit, dwelling in us is wonderful. That's our salvation. But there's more to that. You can't stop there. You've got to move on. So take a look at it. God not only wants to fill our lives, but he overflows them so we'll be a blessing to people around us where we live. Here's promise number two. Be filled with the Spirit and become a conduit of living water to others. Now, there you go. This is kind of a spiritual picture of it. There's our neighborhoods. There's our people at work. There's the people that we go to work with, go to school with, our relatives. They're dry. There's no life in them. They don't know what to do. And here is basically what? We have to be a conduit 
to bring the water to the dry. So that's what we are. We don't just go, well, I'm fine. No, you have to understand that from us comes living water, the Holy Spirit. And that's basically related very much to the Holy Spirit and our bold witness when God opens the door. You don't go knocking on the door. Let me show you something, how to get your floor wet here. And, no, that's stupid. You see, you're doing something that you know. Jesus says, don't keep it to yourself. It's too good to keep it to yourself. It's good news. Come on, get and look for openings and just see what happens. Now, when you see that going, notice what Jesus says right here. Overflowing is a word picture that implies a flowing out from inside the believer to the unbelievers around him or her. Now, here's what happens. When that water is flowing, and, and it's in our neighborhood, and you know some of these people in your neighborhood, and they'll say to you, ha, ha, how, can you how did you make it through the coronavirus? And you're like, happy. You had hope. What kind of a life do you live? Is that an opening? Yeah, that's an opening. But you would say, well, I had a hard time too. But I have a relationship with someone. His name is God. And he encouraged me. Cast all your cares on him because he loves us. So I'm just trying to show you that's the conduit. You and I are the conduit. The spirit in us. Opening doors. Getting way to speak to people when they're searching for whatever. I have to tell you one. I'll tell it to you very quickly. I was at a shopping center. Remember last week we talked about look for opportunities? Use our time wisely? Well, I was there, and I was in the line, and, uh, you know, the places either have a, a, a light, it's on or it isn't on. You're trying to find out which one to go in. Is there anybody there? So I went in, and there was nobody in this line, so, well, that ain't going to help me. And then I saw a, a lady in the next aisle, and she had a light on. And I said, uh, are you open? She said, sure. So I got my stuff, and I walked in this way, and she said, Pastor Mark. And I said, oh, hi. She says, I haven't been able to come because of the coronavirus. Is the church still open? I said, yeah, okay, I'll be coming back. Now, was that an incident just by accident? No, I moved from this where I was going to wait for the gal to come, and I said, well, that light's on. Let me give it a shot. You know who told me to do that? The Holy Spirit. You say, Balmer, you're weird. No, I'm not weird. I try to be sensitive to the Spirit. And she would lit up. How I started was, how's your weekend? And she said, well, I had to work the crazy holiday. And, you know, it's hard with kids and stuff. And I said, well, that's all right. I enjoyed teaching three times. That's when she said, yeah, Pastor Mark, <laughs> whatever. You know, and see, see, what was I trying to be? I you say, well, I hope you had a nice holiday. And I could see when she said I wasn't able to come I'm thinking, okay, this is an open door. I'm going to try to be a conduit. So I just encouraged her. I, she was already a Christian. I don't know what's happened in her life. But guys, the Holy Spirit knows stuff we have no clue about. And he just moved. Remember, he leads us. And so we just did that. It's not about me. It's God. But we have to be sensitive to that. Now, when you see all that going, let me just show this for you. Remember what Jesus says? It's rivers of living water. 
It's flowing out of us, current, fresh, up-to-date, filled and overpowered. Now, as I told you, this is people's lives all over our counties. Brevard, or wherever you want to go, St. Lucie, wherever your relatives are, there it is. And that is why, how did it get there? It got there because it came out of us, overflowing. Love, joy, peace, hope, loving people, caring for them. Just like Jesus did that day when he went to the woman at the well. He knew she was hurting. And so he just what? He just went to and loved her. He didn't condemn her. He, he knew she'd been married five times and living with a guy now that wasn't a believer, wasn't even in marriage. But he loved her enough, his love fold out through the person of the Holy Spirit. Remember, Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit to overflowing. And so when you see that, that's what our neighbors will be looking for. Just try to be sensitive. Somebody says, I got to go to the doctor. I think I got canceled, a cancer tomorrow. Just like I told you last week, the guy I'm in, he says, I got this disease. I don't know. I said, do you mind if I just pray for you right now? Because he, he recognized me. I said, yeah, absolutely, I'll pray for you. He said, I want to thank you so much. So look for common sense and things like that. That was the invitation that Jesus was doing that day. Now, emptied, overflowing, notice, is a continuous daily lifestyle. It brings us purpose. It brings us meaning. And it brings a fulfillment in our lives. It can flow through our lives, eliminating our own thirst. Because maybe I haven't prayed to ask for an openness. And covering the, bar, uh, the bearing ground even in our lives. Now, here's something. I was reading a book. I have it at home. The Spiritual Life from Charles Stanley. And look what his statement. I love this statement from Charles Stanley. If the Christian life is simply a matter of doing our best, which means in our own wisdom, direction, church, I'm a religious person, something. Notice what he says. There's no need for God to send the Holy Spirit to us. That's powerful. He sent it to us because he knew we couldn't do it without the Holy Spirit. And a lot of people don't think it's even biblical. It's 100% biblical. So I love that statement. Remember, the spirit for life is essential for every Christian. Jesus is our role model. So today we saw a focus on the mission of lost people. He invited all Christ followers to be filled to overflowing so we can change our world for Jesus Christ. Here's another simple invitation Jesus came. Same thing with the mission. You remember this one in Mark chapter 1. Jesus said to them, his disciples, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. What is that? He's going, they're going to go after lost people. There's that invitation again. God's heart is after lost people. The disciples learned the same thing. Now, when you see people, here's what happens. If that water comes out and we get to talk to people, if we get to lead them to Christ. Now, remember who he's talking to. He's talking to the people that want to kill him or put him in jail. They hate him, but he spoke in love. Because he wanted to invite them to the solution. Now, when you see that going on, one more thing. The ultimate goal of what I just showed you is changed lives. Changed lives. And I want to just say this to you. Look at this. God has placed us here to touch lives. We touch them. God changes them.
You can't change anybody. I can't change you. You can't change me. God can change us all. But remember, there's a touch. We're past that day. Hallelujah. As, as you leave tonight after communion, you can just hug each other, whatever. Go for it. But we missed that. We've missed that for a long time. Now we can do that. Now, think about this. When you, I just want to thank you, all of you that are watching online. You guys have invited so many people from all of our campuses, Vieira, Sebastian. Thank you so much. You're inviting people to hear the good news. Uh, you're just getting out there bold enough. You're, you're a conduit of the love of Jesus, the power of Jesus. And basically, thank you so much because people are looking for those opportunities. They don't have the answer but we have the answer. His name is Jesus Christ. Amen. Would you bow your head with me right now? In a moment, I'm going to lead people either who have never accepted Christ or those who have walked away from God and need to make a recommitment. Just pray for them right now, right where you're at. Prayer changes things. For those of you that are watching, if you need to make a recommitment or you've, you love God, but you, you've never had a personal relationship with Jesus, here's a promise we heard today. You're thirsty, but you didn't know the answer was having a personal relationship with Jesus. That is the answer. So we heard today Jesus say, become a Christ follower and have your spiritual thirst quenched. So if you want to become that Christ follower, so the Holy Spirit comes to live in you, to guide you, to direct you, to help you, to comfort you, to teach you, all you have to do is pray this prayer quietly to yourself, and you're actually praying it to God. Jesus, I know I'm a sinner, and I need your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins, and you were resurrected from the death. Right now, I turn from my sins. As you taught us, I admit I need your help. And I am also what you reminded us. I am making a decision to follow Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for receiving that gift of salvation and forgiveness. And thank you, God, that the Holy Spirit will be living as I finish those words right in my life forever. Thank you for your love and thank you for giving all of my sins. And everybody says, Amen. <laughs>